Hi, I'm Gary, and this is episode 125 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be looking at why electric vehicles are bad. This season of the podcast is sponsored by ZapMap. Before we start, I wanted to remind you to check through the back catalogue of episodes if there's something specific that you want to know about. Cables, charge costs, specific EV models, hubs, charge point operators, batteries, etc. There's probably something in there for you to listen to. Our main topic of discussion today is a bit clickbaity. Today, I'm all about education, myth-busting, and why a lot of people don't think EVs are right for them, and they're probably correct. This comes as a result of scrolling through literally thousands of comments from members of the public putting forward reasons why electric cars are wrong and won't work for them. So what I wanted to do today is to create an episode specifically for those people. Because it's 100% true that there are certain people in 2022 for whom an EV won't work. Now, if you're here because you've followed the link in a Twitter thread or on Facebook and uh, you've come to listen to what I've got to say, you fall into that group, well, welcome. I'm going to be telling you why you're probably right about EVs in a little while. But first, a little story and a bit of context. For an earlier episode of this podcast, I was chatting with motoring journalist Quentin Wilson. Two hours before we chatted, he was on Good Morning Britain, a UK morning show, duh, talking about electric cars. As is the way with news and entertainment these days, Good Morning Britain clipped about 30 seconds of that interview and posted it on social media. My God, the number of negative comments that came back. Unfortunately, they weren't unique in what they were saying about electric vehicles. Literally, any post that has something positive to say about electric vehicles will have one or more of the same, quote, counter-arguments posted against it. Some of the arguments are just plain incorrect, some are misguided, and some of them are 100% accurate for certain people. What I'm going to go through today are the most common types of comments and give you some context and additional information about what's being said. I'm going to be talking about the following comment themes. One, I can't afford an electric car, they're too expensive. Two, I live in a flat or don't have off-road charging so they won't work for me. Three, the batteries will die and cost a fortune to replace. Four, electricity is going up so much it's too expensive to charge a car. Five, the infrastructure isn't there yet, there are only two charges in my town. And six, I'm waiting for hydrogen, it's the way forward. I think what a lot of people who respond to these comments think is that EVs are something that only the rich sector of society can afford. And if you're someone living in a council flat in a fairly deprived part of the country with an old banger parked out on the road, falling to bits and scraping by to afford fuel, insurance, road tax and repairs, an EV can seem like something only the 1% might have, and I can totally empathise with that position. By far the most common theme I read in comments is a variation of Electric cars are too expensive, I can't afford them. So let me start by saying, yeah, you're probably right. If you're the sort of person who likes to buy a £200 banger and run it into the ground. Or perhaps a £2,000 runner that you can keep for a few years before selling it when the repair costs get too expensive. Then an EV isn't for you right now. If you like paying cash for your cars, which implies that they're not hugely expensive, then an EV isn't for you right now. If you've got a nice classic car you've had and run for 40 years and don't want to sell it just so you can drive an expensive electric car, 
then an EV isn't for you right now. If you've never taken out a loan or other sort of finance to buy a car, then an EV probably isn't for you right now. But there are a few caveats to this. Firstly, this situation is temporary. As at the time of recording, April 2022, the EV market, the new EV market, is buoyant with lots of new models available to buy. The second-hand market, however, is not mature to the point where a used EV can be picked up for about £250. You see, they're still quite expensive, mainly because they're still quite new, and a lot of that is to do with the supply of new cars being restricted and delayed due to semiconductor issues, and this has had a knock-on effect on second-hand car sales. Secondly, it has to be said that those of you who usually buy your cars new have no excuse price-wise for not considering an EV. I'm not saying buying, but at least considering. I mean, I've said it before on this podcast several times, a £30,000 electric vehicle costs the same as a £30,000 internal combustion engine car. The mini electric costs less than the petrol version it's based on. You can get a 200 plus mile range MG5 estate electric for £24,555. That's less than the Volkswagen Golf estate, 25740 the Vauxhall Astra estate, 25005 the Ford S Max, £37,000, the Renault Kadjar, 26185 and the Peugeot 2008 Allure Premium, 25675 which are all around the same size and market segment. And if we get into some of the more luxurious brands such as BMW, the base 1 Series estate starts at £26,450. There are great lease deals and salary sacrifice deals, which means you can get an EV for less than you would imagine. I, I mean, I've said it before, I am not rich by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm now paying just £7.16 a day to lease my electric vehicle. That's the equivalent of a gallon of petrol at about a pound fifty a litre. The new MG ZS EV, a car with 200 miles of range, can be leased from £299 a month with £299 down. That's the same as a one litre Ford Fiesta, and it's less than a Ford Cougar, £349 a month with £4,000 down, or a Vauxhall Mocha 1.2 Turbo at £315 a month with £315 down. Are there EVs that cost £40,000, £50,000 or more? Oh yeah, absolutely. Are there ICE cars, internal combustion engine cars, that cost £40,000 or £50,000 or more? Yes, many, many more of them. But it all comes back to the key point, which is that if you can afford to spend that much on a car and price isn't an issue, then you need to seriously consider why you're not looking at an electric vehicle. If the car you're driving at the moment was bought new, leased, or is a company car, the cost is probably not really an issue. Now, just between you and me, if you're the sort of person who buys cheap cars and runs them as long as they can, then you're not the current target market for electric vehicles. From a carbon offset point of view, if you're spending £30,000 and above on a car, you probably have a lifestyle that's quite carbon intensive. Biggish house, holidays abroad, high driving mileage. Anything that can be done to eliminate that is probably good. If you're buying cheap cars, your footprint is probably a little less severe, so there's less benefit to society for you going electric at the moment. Before we move off this, however, I will point to a video produced by Dr Ewan McTurk, former guest and friend of the podcast, which details how it can actually be cheaper to buy a relatively expensive second-hand electric vehicle 
than it is to run a fossil fuel car you were given for free. See the link in the show notes. It's a bit of an eye-opener. Now, also remember, your cheap £200 banger will still need road tax and MOT repairs and some quite expensive fuel to make it go anywhere. If you're going into London and some other towns, you're probably also going to pay a congestion charge and or an ultra-low emission charge. For an EV, other than insurance and occasionally an MOT, none of the above apply. Moving on, the next common theme is around home charging. I live in a flat or don't have off-road charging, so EVs won't work for me. If that's the case, you might be right. An EV won't work for you right now. I mean, let's ignore the fact that nobody has a petrol pump at home, and that doesn't seem to be an issue for internal combustion engine cars. But let's go with the fact that you don't have off-street parking. In the UK, the percentage of car owners who do not have off-street parking is 28%. That's going to make home charging your EV very difficult, if not impossible. But 72% of car owners can park off-street. And if you're in that 72%, you should be seriously looking at electric vehicles. But also, if you're not in that 72%, why not take a good look around? Podcast co-founder Simon has famously lived without home charging in a second floor flat for almost four years. And he's now on his second electric car. He's found ways around the issues. His office has workplace charging, which he can use. He spends time working at customer sites and he uses public chargers near there to fill his car. He also uses local slow chargers at places like Tesco and in the local council car park to charge while near his house. He's absolutely fine with it. He's also not unique in this aspect. I know numerous people who make this work in just the same way as people make petrol cars work without home refueling. But obviously, if you don't have workplace charging or off-road parking and you live in a place where there are no public chargers, then an EV isn't for you. That's fine, I can accept that. But don't just dismiss it out of hand. The solutions are there. You might have to look for them though. Next, we have the big one that always seems to get brought out to try and bash EVs. The batteries will die and cost a fortune to replace. Let me tell you, that's wrong. If that's an argument you're putting forward about not getting an EV, then take a long, hard look at yourself in the Daily Mirror. But Chris Harris had a Nissan Leaf on top gear and he said the battery was so shagged it did about 30 miles on a charge. I hear you cry. Okay, fine. One car in one instance had one problem. Does that mean all cars in all instances have that problem? No. When Ford recalled a lot of cars due to seatbelt issues, does that mean that all seatbelts in all cars are bad? No. When BMW recalled cars due to potential fire risks, does that mean that all petrol cars will burst into flames and should be taken off the road? No. So why are you applying one standard for electric vehicles and another for petrol cars? EV batteries generally have a seven or eight year warranty, which is more than any part on any ICE car gets. So why would you buy an ICE car and not an EV in that case? Are there EVs that have had battery problems? Sure. The Mark 1 Nissan Leaf used a battery chemistry which wasn't as robust as would have been liked, and it did mean those batteries degraded quickly, but newer models and all current EV models are using chemistries which are much, much more robust. New batteries will last longer than the car they're in, and when they're done, they'll be sent to second life use as battery storage. 
Then they'll be recycled at rates of around 80% utilisation and made into new batteries. Two small sides here, just in case you wanted to use these arguments in your anti-EV crusade. Firstly, there are no rare earth elements in batteries. If you're saying this, you don't know what you're talking about. Secondly, if you're concerned about the mining of minerals to use in batteries, but you're not concerned about the massive damage done by drilling for oil and other fossil fuels, then perhaps your arguments are less based on fact than they are on emotion. Oh, and before EV batteries were such a big thing, kids in the Congo were mining cobalt to use in your brand new smartphone and for desulfurizing petrol to go into your car. I'm, I'm sure you were up in arms on Twitter about that, right? So, next discussion point. Electricity is going up so much it's too expensive to charge a car. Well, that is, at least in the UK, pretty lame argument. Factually, electricity prices are going up here. But remember, we don't mine or drill electricity, we produce it using a number of different methods, one of which is burning fossil fuels. The price of electricity is linked to the price of natural gas, a fossil fuel, and that price is rising. And that's leading the electricity price skywards. But guess what else is rising as a result? That's right, petrol. In the US, that linkage doesn't exist to such an extent, so even though petrol prices are rising there, the price of electricity isn't fluctuating so much. When people are spending £160 plus to fill the 105-litre tank of a Range Rover that will do 450 miles, but complaining about spending £54 at public charging to go the same distance, or £5.40 with off-peak home charging like I've got, then the price of electricity isn't really the issue here, is it? Is public charging getting more expensive? Yes, it is. In the three years since I started using public charging, the price for a unit of electricity has gone from 34 pence to 49 pence a kilowatt hour for one operator, and from 30 pence to 55 pence a kilowatt hour for another. Sure, that's quite a price hike. But in the same time, petrol has fluctuated from a pound a litre to almost two pounds per litre in some places in the UK. In the US, the price rise has been even higher. Now, efforts are underway at the moment to reduce the cost of VAT on public charging in the UK, which would immediately knock the 49 pence rate down to around 43 pence a kilowatt hour, which is a much smaller hike than petrol has had. So no, the price of electricity, while important, does not make charging more expensive than petrol. And now we come to the one argument which is pretty key to uptake. The infrastructure isn't there yet, there are only two charges in my town. Well, I mean, I can quote stats to you all day. There are more charging stations than petrol stations, the number of new rapid charges is increasing by dozens a week, and the slower destination charges are increasing by hundreds per month. But the fact is, if you live in the middle of a county that has not prioritised public charging, or a town where the throughput of vehicles is small, you will find that the ratio of charges to electric cars is very low. Places like Milton Keynes, Nottingham, Bristol, Dundee have embraced public charging. Places like Lincolnshire, the Lake District, Shropshire, Central Wales, and big chunks of Devon and Dorset are rather lacking in public charges. If we look at destination charges, or the slower 7 kilowatt ones in car parks, again, there are way more of these than you might imagine. But again, the same areas seem to lack the support and implementation for those units as for the faster rapid units. I'm lucky, I admit it. Within a five mile radius of my house are seven rapid chargers from four different charge point operators. The whole area around this part of Southeast England is quite well served. So if you live in areas such as that without home charging, 
then perhaps an EV isn't for you just yet. But if you want to check back through the archives, you'll find several episodes where we discuss the state of the charging infrastructure and how it's constantly improving. As Quentin Wilson said when he was on the podcast, I always say to people, the charging network will always be better tomorrow than it is today. The final comment, and one which always, always appears in every comment section about electric vehicles is, I'm waiting for hydrogen. It's the way forward. Well, hydrogen has a lot going for it. It's a great way of storing power. It can be dispensed a lot quicker than charging a car. It, it, well, to be honest, that is about it. For many uses, hydrogen is is the prime mover. Things uh, like long distance flights, shipping, steel manufacture, those are the areas where hydrogen is the right solution. But not road vehicles, and especially not private cars. The reasons are numerous, and I've talked about them in previous episodes, but let's just briefly go through them one more time. Hydrogen is incredibly inefficient as a fuel. It's made mostly from fossil fuels. It loses 70% of the energy used to create it to transmission losses, etc. So why not just take that energy and use it directly in a battery instead? Then the infrastructure doesn't exist on a large scale. In the same period of time that massive EV charging infrastructure has been rolled out, the number of hydrogen stations in the UK has gone from 1 to 12. As I check at the moment, April 2022, there are two of them out of use, leaving 10 to service the whole country. And two of these are in Aberdeen in the north of Scotland, which isn't a lot of use if you're in London. It's not really a lot of use if you're in the southern, more populated parts of Scotland either. Next it's a lot more expensive to roll out hydrogen charging. Sites cost in the millions to install, and this means fewer will be installed and the issue of availability will remain. And despite what many people think, you can't just replace the petrol in the tanks of a petrol station with hydrogen. The dispensing technology is much, much more complicated than that. Then there's the cars. There is in the UK one hydrogen model you can buy, the Toyota Mirai. They start, start at £50,000 and can go up to £65,000. And they will last a maximum of 13 years before, by manufacturing standards, the hydrogen tanks will need to be completely recertified or replaced. This is work that's outside the warranty of the car. What's the cost to replace? Nobody knows just now. Remember, hydrogen is a very, very small molecule which can infiltrate and exploit leaks in systems and cause what's called hydrogen embrittlement. And that means systems need checking and replacing to avoid dangerous and potentially fatal issues. Now, if you live in California, the situation's completely different. There are loads more hydrogen stations there. Well, there's 43 in the whole state as of January 2021. Just To put that into context, in an eight block area within Milton Keynes, there are almost the same number of seven kilowatt chargers as there are hydrogen stations in the whole of California. Milton Keynes has 38 within an eight city block. California has 43 hydrogen stations. Hydrogen supplies were limited in a number of places recently in California, and it's still an expensive fuel, almost on a par with petrol or diesel. Toyota are selling their hydrogen car in California with massive discounts and $15,000 worth of free hydrogen as an incentive. It's a great deal if you can get it, but it does beg the question of why are they incentivizing this to such an extent 
Well, total sales of hydrogen cars worldwide since 2014 are under 50,000 units. Let's do a comparison with EVs. One manufacturer, Volkswagen, sold 119,000 units of one model, the ID4, worldwide just last year. If hydrogen was the better tech, why is it lagging so far behind in sales and infrastructure? Oh, and that fabled three-minute refill? Sure, if you're the only car there and the station has fuel, you can probably fill in a few minutes. But then you'll need to spend more minutes warming the connector to release it as it will freeze to the car due to the extremely low temperatures needed for hydrogen. And if the station is busy, it'll need to regularly repressurize, which will take anything from 10 to 20 minutes per session. But if you still think hydrogen's worth waiting for, then an EV probably isn't for you. So in summary, there are, at the moment, a number of circumstances in which an EV won't be right for you. If that's the case, then please stand back, let others move forward with them. But if you're someone who currently buys new cars, company or otherwise, and live in a residence with off-street parking, there's no reason why you shouldn't consider an electric vehicle. If you buy cheap cars for cash, then the market isn't there yet. That's fine. If you don't have off-street parking and live in an area without good public charging infrastructure, then an EV probably isn't for you. New solutions are arriving in the form of charger sharing and additional on-street charges. Sit tight and wait. If you think rising electricity prices are an issue, then perhaps you don't understand the linkage between petrol price and electricity. If you're waiting for hydrogen, then you better make sure your current car is kept in top mechanical shape because you'll be running it for a long time. Alternatively, head to Toyota and buy a £50,000 car that you can only recharge in a dozen places across the UK and you're good. Most of all, if you're spamming tweets from people with comments talking about hydrogen, battery replacement and high electricity prices, then maybe you're not ready for an EV anyway. And that's fine. There are early adopters, mass adoption and late adopters. You're not in the first group and you're probably not in the second group. Ultimately, higher fuel prices, additional taxes on fossil fuel and cars and the closure of petrol stations in the future will force you into the third group. And that's fine. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. The US now has 20 states with a 100% renewables target. At the end of 2021, 31 states in the District of Columbia had adopted renewable portfolio standards or clean energy standards. Both require electricity supplies to meet a set share of their electricity from designated renewable resources or carbon-free eligible technologies. In 2021, Delaware, Oregon, North Carolina and Illinois updated their RPS or CES policies, while Nebraska became the 20th state to commit to 100% clean electricity by 2050 or earlier, which is excellent. But while this does sound good, the devil's in the details. Definitions of what constitutes clean electricity or renewables differ by state. For example, Hydrogen power is excluded in California due to environmental issues, and some states include nuclear energy and or natural gas fitted with carbon capture and storage technology, CCS, to count towards the state's policy target, while others don't. At its basic level, it's a pretty good starting point. In the absence of a federally defined standard, it's up to the individual states to make the move. Seeing so many start their renewable journeys is actually quite satisfying. The EV Musings podcast is sponsored by ZapMap. ZapMap is the go-to app for EV drives in the UK. 
Use it to search for available chargers, plan electric journeys, pay for charging on participating networks, and share updates with other EV drivers. ZapMap is free to download and use, with subscription plans for enhanced features, such as using ZapMap in car, on CarPlay, or Android Auto. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at MusingsEV. If you enjoyed this episode, why not buy me a coffee? Go to coffee.com slash evmusings and you can do just that. Takes Apple Pay too. ko-fi.com slash evmusings. Or if you want to support the podcast and newsletter, why not uh, consider contributing to become an EV Musings patron? The link's in the show notes. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You Got Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Please check it out. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you've got a few seconds, why not drop a little review in there? It does help raise visibility and it extends our reach in search engines, but no pressure. If you've reached this part of the podcast and are still listening, thank you. Why not let me know you've got to this point by tweeting me at MusingsEV with the words, it's not for you and that's fine. Hashtag, if you know, you know. Nothing else. Thanks as always to my co-founder, Simon. You know, he's keen to get into cryptocurrency and he's been studying up on it. Apparently, the one barrier he sees is that there are big fees associated with all the transactions. But he's confident there'll be an improvement and a better fee and charge structure. I always say to people, the charging network would always be better tomorrow than it is today. Many thanks for listening. Bye-bye.